Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Bright Kumalo, and tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Ashraf Mohammed from Corner Peace Capital and Rikas Redas uh, from PSG Wealth Santin. Send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Um, good evening, gentlemen. Um, I'll start with you, uh, Ashraf. Um, what did you make of today's market, especially locally? Can you just give us a short market wrap? Well, um, you know, the, uh, the big news for the past week has been uh, the action that we've seen in, in NASPAS. Yeah. NASPAS um, has been dragged, dragged back a bit by the action in Tencent over the past two days. Tencent Alibaba copying fines from the Chinese government. Yep. Um, and uh, we saw those higher. The other big feature in the market today was uh, your platinum stocks um, pulling back quite significantly. You had uh, Northern Platts down over 5%. Um, you had uh, Sabania down 3% at one stage. I think it closed down just over 2%. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a lot of the action on the, on the metal side. Um, the only exception there was coal. Um, Tungela and Exaro were up on the day, but um, ended up marginally, whereas they were very strong this morning. Yeah. And I mean, uh, the big news when it comes to offshore markets, I mean, everyone is waiting for the CPI print that's going to be announced tomorrow, which, you know, is sort of, is sort of going to give us the direction of whether the U.S. consumer, <laughs> you know, it still has a lot of power. <laughs> Or um, you know, people are, are you know tightening the, their belts, or what's going on over there. Um, what do you expect there, Arikas, in terms of you know th that inflation numbers, and how do you think it's going to play a role? Because I mean, uh, at the same time, tomorrow we're kicking off what we call earnings season. Um, yeah, I think um, not sure what. Um, Tomorrow's announcement is going to bring, but I but, but I think as we go further along, the next announcement might actually surprise to the downside if one takes a look at what's happening with things like freight rates in um, in the U.S., the falling commodity prices. So um, um, I'd be hesitant to say this is as high as we're going to get on inflation, but I think your risk is you know if you if you want to forecast, um, you might be a little bit too high at the moment yeah. but as to what tomorrow is going to be no idea and and also not quite sure how the market will react it will react and a day later you know it will probably react in the opposite way and that's just the nature of things yeah and i mean you look at those uh, averages done by um you know economists that are tracked by wall street journal and uh, bloomberg all are saying they're expecting a you know peak inflation of 8.7 percent tomorrow. So I don't know, man. That sounds uh, well. CPI, sorry, the CPI number. That sounds a little bit high and a little bit scary. And well, if yeah, sorry, if you. But on the other hand, you know, we had consumer inflation expectations out, and I mean that, and that yes. is as negative as you as can be. And, and a lot of that has got to do with labor. You know, most of the labor in the U.S. was created by small businesses over the past two, two and a half years. 
And those guys are suffering at the moment because of inflation and they cannot get people to actually work in their businesses because there's a labor shortage. Yeah. And if they can get them, they've got to pay them, you know, More. they don't have the money to actually pay them. Oh, that, oh yeah, that's... Yeah, that's a, that, that's a bit of a problem there. I mean, what I was going to say, we saw Senate coming out and saying, well, everyone expects inflation to be high, it's going to be high and it's going to be bad. But what we saw in the futures market, uh, I, we open now, but what we saw in the futures market is that, you know, they turned from being, you know, the S&P 500 was down 1% to being flat on the bad news. So I was a little bit confused as well. What, what did I miss, you know, in, in that announcement? But... Let's jump into our stocks um, for today. We've got a, a, a question from Fatai on email who says, Hi, can I please ask the panel's view on Tongat? Obviously, they wanna, there's going to be someone asking about Tongat. Uh, yesterday, up 15%, today up, I don't know what, 37%, something ridiculous. Um, are you watching that one, Ashraf? And any comments on what's going on there? Or could be perspiring? It's yeah, look, it's not one I'm watching closely, but uh, there is a lot of uh, sale of assets and restructuring of, of the balance sheet. Yeah. So for those investors who are playing the restructure of Tongat, there will be opportunities. Um, it's not a great environment to be selling assets. Um, there's a global recession. Liquidity has been drawn out of uh, out of markets, so less money to go around. So unlikely, your buyers are going to pay up for for assets. Yeah, and um, you know, given the risk with uh, load shedding to the South African economy, I think any foreign buyer who comes in and purchases an asset in South Africa is going to want a discount relative to its uh, offshore peers. So when you look at all of that, I'd say your upside on Tongat in the near future is capped. Yeah, and if you're saying, you know, it's, no, it's not a good time to be selling assets, I think I'll emphasize and say it's never a good time to commit any sorts of fraud. So maybe that's the lesson there. Um, do you yeah. follow Tongat uh, at all, Rekas? Um, not really. Obviously, I think the, um, <coughs> the um, catalyst for the price move was the Disclosure of a 10% investment by I'm not I'm not quite sure who the foreign company is, but obviously that's sort of lit the spark um, underneath the share price. But as I should have said, you know, um, I'm not, you know, even if it does go up another 15 or 20% in the end, you are still sitting with Tongard. Yes. And I don't want to sit with Tongard as an investment. Yeah. yeah. So if I can just add in bright, if yeah. you look at the, the situation at Ascendus. Um, there you had essentially what is a vulture fund coming in and really picking out the best assets for themselves to the detriment of, uh, of shareholders. Existing shareholders. And, yeah, so when, when they say there's a foreign investor, don't assume that there's a natural unlock of value for shareholders. Yeah, it could be just a you know a person with great negotiating you know tactics and and a lot of cash. And I mean, if you're crippled by debt, like in the case of Ascendis, you have no choice but you know to sell. Unfortunately, um, as those covenants come due. So uh, we have a question here from Gatlejo. Says about six weeks ago, he bought Avenge shares. So I guess he's asking us about Avenge, and he says any thoughts are welcome. Uh, do we follow Avenge? Uh, do you follow Avenger? Because 
Yeah, I do. And they've had a nice little rally over the past um, one or two weeks. Um, not sure why. I think it's, it's obviously the the background to that is also a turnaround story. Maybe the um, talk of a emergency electricity plan forthcoming from government um, are wetting people's appetite on the prospect of um, investment in infrastructure, which would obviously suit somebody like Avenged, but um, nothing specific um, that I'm aware of as far as the company itself is concerned. Um, and Ashraf, Avenge? No, I haven't followed it uh, recently, um, but I agree with Vikas. It, it's going to need a pickup in infrastructure spend uh, to support its uh, revenue line and the current market cap. Yeah, and um, you're not convinced at this point? No. I, I think the South African government's got other challenges before <laughs> it gets to, to spending on broader infrastructure. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I agree with you. Let's jump into, you know, the Twitter feed here. We've got a question from Aubrey Quella who says, Outlook on MediClinic, please. This is actually an interesting one because now there's another uh, duo who's trying to, you know, um, take over the company. Um, Ashraf? Sorry, which company was that you broke up? MediClinic. Oh, MediClinic. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know... Remgro and MediClinic have basically grown up together. MediClinic was spun out of out of Remgro, and one of the co-founders of Remgro's son ran MediClinic for almost uh, 25 years. So the there are strong ties between the two. I think Remgro will will force its way unless some of the minority shareholders uh, push back strongly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a great deal for Emgro because it's going to help them diversify their income offshore. And uh, I think they will spend a lot of money on on growing MediClinic's uh, offshore footprint. Um, MediClinic took a lot of pain on its, uh, on its assets in the Gulf as well as Switzerland. Um, that's out of the way and the shareholders have taken the pain. And uh, now Remgro really wants to benefit from the upside. So not the shareholders. This is this is totally insane. But um, yeah, but how do you feel about the price? Maybe that's a, a better question. So I, so leading on from my last comment, I think that uh, the shareholders are being shortchanged. Okay. At uh, at these levels, even though it is a reasonably good price in the current environment, but if you look forward two to three years, they're playing in the right sector. They've sorted out their balance sheet, they've sorted out operations. So it's now time for for the shareholders to see the upside. Yeah, and I mean, first of all, let's go back to the new base price. Maybe we're talking triple two. I think that's the right number. Um, <laughs> and and Rikas, any further comments on MediClinic? Before no, I totally, agree with, um, I totally agree with Ashraf. It's a um, if Remgro can push it through, it's a very nice deal for them. That's what they're supposed to do: is pick up um, assets that are, that have the potential for growth. If you're a, if you're somebody that's bought at fifty rand or whatever a month or two ago, you you are smiling. If you were um, taking a look at that sector and the companies specifically, and, and as Ashraf said, turn the corner and waiting for growth to come back. Obviously, you've now lost out on that opportunity. 
someone asked a question here saying, kindly go through Discovery Health for me. Um, I'll start with you, Rikus. Well, looking at the share price, looking at, at its current earnings, it's expensive if you compare it to other similar companies. And we were talking about Time Bank and and the prospects of that going forward, considering the, um, the money they are putting into it and the time it might take for that to actually become profitable. So you have a, a share price that's pretty dear at the moment. You've got the uncertainty of what is a huge invest or what is a big investment for them that, either, that is going through some teething problems. The um, bank, yeah. In, in, in a market that's not, um, at the moment, that excited about a, a business which, which depends also to a very large amount on what their investments in the market are doing. So not for me at the moment. Uh, Ashraf, at 129 rands per share, it's trading at the same price. I think, uh, you know, I was three months in, in, in my career, you know, 11 years ago. <laughs> this is where it's trading. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's insane. Um, what is Mr. Market trying to tell me? Look, I think um, it is large. You know, in South Africa, the business is, is ex-growth and um, the bank, the Discovery Bank is struggling. Um, it's in a very competitive market. It's, um, you know, they, they're hoping that to capture their, their healthcare client base. But unfortunately, that client base is deteriorating because of the increasing cost of health and uh, the state of the economy. So that's worked against them. Um, second thing is, you know, you've got a U.S. business that they're trying to grow and the U.S. economy is um, vacillating right now. And then they've taken a fairly big bet with Ping An in China. And we all know what's going on in China right now. Yeah. So I think all of that uncertainty is is definitely going to cap the upside uh, on discovery over the next three to six months. Yeah, no, this is, it's, it's definitely not easy for discovery to say the least. Uh, we have another question um, asking about Ethos Capital. Uh, you follow Ethos Capital, Rickers? No? Yes? A little bit. Um, I mean, a large part of their, shall we say, um, Value proposal is a investment in Braid, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. And that you know, and as you know, Braid possibly turning the corner with uh, with Virgin and uh, what's Iceland and and so forth. So um, not bad if they, as an investment company, keep on getting a return on their assets itself. But um, it is dependent, as I said, on the performance of the underlying. Yeah, and uh, you, Ashraf, I know your thoughts on, um, you know, private equity firms uh, is very firm, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, look, I, you know, it's, uh, as Rick has said, Virgin and um, the, the total investment in Brait is going to be key to, to their future. Um, they have a couple of underlying funds, which are... SA exposed, and we know where the South African economy is. Um, and then just a tidbit, which goes to your comment on my my view on private equity at the moment, is that over the past decade, um, there have been very few successful private equity transactions where 
the exits have allowed um, the principles of private equity funds to benefit significantly. So, um, and that's really just, a, again, an, in, an indication of, of where the South African economy is right now. Um, in fact, in the US and um, Europe, private equity funds have also struggled over the past decade. Um, uh, and it's happened over the last three years where many of them have actually had to roll over some of their funds that were expiring in 2020 and 2021 because of COVID and they were unable to get decent exit values. Yeah, I mean, um, if I could, if I had the choice to buy, you know, a private equity firm, uh, you know, a listed private equity firm, I look in the US and I'll definitely make sure it's, <laughs> you know, diversified and it's one of them that I mentioned in that book. Um, what is it called? Barbarians at the gate, because they seem to have survived um, <laughs> a very long time. Yeah, and if the Lindy effect is anything to go by, they should be here tomorrow again. So I wouldn't be better yeah. on a, a so, PE firm. Yeah, so Bright, my last comment on that is if you look at uh, one of the biggest private equity firms in the world, Blackstone. Yes. Where are they spending most of their money? Outside in of property. the US. And in, property. in property outside yeah. of the US. Yeah. So okay. that's where they see the growth. Um, so they be, they're becoming, you know, part of the business is going to be a REIT. Yeah, look, I think it's now 66% of their earnings or something ridiculous like that comes from just property. And they own yeah. almost like half of New York property alone, which is insane on itself. It's <laughs> crazy. Um, we have a question on Glencore. Does the panel have any thoughts on Glencore? Uh, yeah. I I like it as as a business, despite all the uh, the troubles with fines, etc. Um, I think their nickel business has got significant upside, just given the green evolution we we're going through. Uh, they're reopening copper mine in Zambia. Um, that break even at copper mine is two and a half dollars per ounce. And, um, you know, they've, they've obviously got the cobalt business, which uh, we have in all our cell phones and other electronics. So to me, still a fair bit of upside over, over the longer term. Um, I do a weekly chart on commodity prices in RANDs, and um, I still see plenty, plenty upside for most of the listed commodity stocks. Okay, fantastic. Uh, any differing view there, Rickus? You're smiling. Well, I'm very glad Ashraf is bullish on commodity prices, um, <laughs> sort of, shall we say, over the median term, because, um, you know, it's it's not Glencore specific, because I agree with Ashraf on, on the Glencore scenario as well. But, yes. um, yeah, if we can get China to stop its COVID policy, which I think is... Um, well, that's either going to be their policy indefinitely, and if that's their plan, it's a very bad plan. Or at some stage, they will have to realize you cannot um, lock down their economy um, um, indefinitely. So if that changes and we can start getting a little bit of growth coming out of China again, obviously good for commodity, which spills over into Glencore and a lot of other similar um, um type of Businesses. diversified miners, whether yeah. it be Glencore or South 32 or, or whatever. 
Okay, fantastic. Uh, we've got a question on Twitter from Matthew Proctor, who says, uh, Hey, Bright, does the panel have any views on traditionally good dividend-paying stocks that have been beat down but offering good yields that should rise in the next couple of years? So that's very specific. Um, you're looking for a, a beaten down, uh, high-paying, high-yielding stock, uh, which is sounds like a unicorn right now. Um, any unicorns you're looking <laughs> at, Ashraf? Um, I would look at Investec Property Fund. Um, it's got a it's got a yield of over nine percent. The U um, sorry, the Investec Property Fund, the local one or the Australia one? Because you have to be specific. No, no, the local the local one. Okay. It's it earns it it is uh, it's got European exposure. Yes. And it's expanding its uh, its offshore revenue base, so you can expect it to be. I think in two years from now, they're targeting around 60% okay. offshore earnings. Um, Equitus, which is one I recommended. And then if you're brave, um, then, you know, you can buy my stock pick for tonight okay. because that's yielding 16%. But even if you cut the yield um, and you cut the earnings, as I've done, and it's, it's a 12% yield at okay. current prices, then... Okay. Don't, no give, don't give that one away. Um, and, 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 and your pick, what would be your pick, uh, you know, high-yielding um, stock that's looking good right now as a long-term buyer? Okay, can I, get a, can I get a little bit philosophical very, very, very quickly? Um, we don't have that much time, but I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. <laughs> without, without going into a specific stock, but what we are seeing at the moment globally yeah. is that, strangely enough, companies with strong balance sheets are under pressure. And companies which are in favour are those with a predictable income stream and predictable margins. Yeah. Go and take a look at those historic companies with good dividend yield, and that's where you'll find um, your protection in the current market. Okay, okay, fantastic. Stock picks for the evening, Rickus? Um, Sun International, and basically because I was looking at sectors globally and over again, the only sector that looks marginally positive is obviously tourism S southern sun specifically it's got the backstop of um, the um, online gambling side plus obviously their um, company them itself has said that they basically back to pre-covid lots of operational gearing um, and if we do get an influx of tourists from europe over the next six months as they approach winter and they are sitting without power that will um, that will only help Sun International as far as the cash flow is concerned and paying off the debt. Yes, even though I've never heard of you know Europeans or Americans coming to South Africa to gamble, that might be a nice gamble. Um, Ashraf, your pick for the evening? Well, my pick is Exaro, and that's really on the back of the uh, the coal price. Yeah. Um, so. As I said, I've been following commodity prices in rands. Coal is up threefold over the uh, past 12 months. Um, and even if you, you know, you punish them on cost, you punish them on lower production numbers, etc. My absolute worst case scenario is they pay a dividend that gives you a 12% yield. So there's a good margin of safety there. I think there's a pretty decent uh, margin of safety in that stock. Okay, so Exaro and Sun International. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, thanks to my guests, Ashraf Muhammad from Corner Peace Capital and Rikas Riedas from PSG Wealth Santin. Stockwatch is back again tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good evening.